are back. You're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me once again is the one and only Mr. Kevin Durso. How are you, buddy? I'm um, all right. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> About the same. Uh, <laughs> you know, we're not going to bury the lead here. The The biggest story of the week is the fact that the Iron Man streak is finally over. Uh, the record will not be broken right now. Uh, oh, sorry. Sorry. What's that? Oh, Ivan Provorov's out. Yeah. Uh, so Ivan Provorov's Iron Man streak ended at, what was it, 403 games? Something along those lines? Yeah. 403. Yeah. So one flyer who was attempting to break the Iron Man streak, that streak sadly came to an end due to COVID. Uh, in other news, Keith Yandel played all three games this week, and the Flyers lost all three. Coincidence? <laughs> All right, let's just get is that, right into is it. Is that supposed to be a rhetorical question for me? Uh, huh. uh, well, we did also see the return of the mighty Nick Sealer. So no wonder our defensive core was so stalwart this week that we gave up uh, checks notes. What was it? Four to the Ducks. Uh, and one into an empty net, at least. Uh, sure. Do you, and a half I, to the do you ducks. want me to pull positives or not? <laughs> right. Six goals to the Penguins, lose to the Sharks. Uh, it's been a bad week in Flyers hockey. Let's, we're not going to sugarcoat it. I mean, they, they took the ice against the Penguins with a defensive core that that basically it was um, what was it? Rasmus Ristolainen, Cam York, Justin Braun, um, Igor Zamula played that night, and then you had Nick's. I know Sealer didn't play. Sealer was still in COVID protocol, so it was Yandel and Connaughton. So two guys who have how many regulars what? were in that lineup? Like opening two. day, right? Opening day, the team Chuck but, Fletcher oh, built right, over on. the offseason. Opening, okay, opening day, three. Great, Ryan Ellis, fair enough. I, sure. Oh, no, 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 you said how many regulars were in. Well, so, right, I mean. Oh, three, Keith Yandel was in the picture on opening night. I'll give fair. you that. But, like, and then Braun and Ristolainen were playing. So that counts, yes. But, yeah. but no, Cam York was not part of this original lineup. Neither was Zamul. And, and they look, their pieces that you, you're holding on to hope for, yeah, maybe down the line. And York looked pretty good. York actually got his first NHL point on Saturday, in Saturday's game, so good York for him. York looks solid. And he got kind of thrown into it late. And by the way, to make your uh, to make your season debut, because it's not his NHL debut, he played a handful, very small handful. I think So at this point, I think York has six career games played, and Zamula has two. It might be something like that. I don't think it's like... Right. It wasn't Zamula's NHL debut. I know no. that. But it's, it's relatively close, and... Um, so it, I know that the number going into when they both played in the same game was less than 10. Yeah, and there's not no, not a whole lot you're expecting when you're icing those two guys at this point in time. Uh, no, but at honest. least they're prospects. But, like, right, there's, but, there's an element to that. Like, There's a big difference between, oh, Cam York's going to come up and th this is where they are. We have to try that. And third pairing, Keith Yandel, Kevin Connaughton, and Nick Sealer's playing on your second pairing. You know, like... And the astonishing part of it is, even with the bar on the floor, the Flyers somehow still managed to fail to meet expectations this week. I is mean, it, is it failing to meet expectations when you didn't win a game? Actually, I would say their expectations were slightly exceeded by the fact that they even managed. A they point. got a point. Yes. That <laughs> they got a loser point, and that's good enough. I. That's fair, but there was no point in time this week where it looked like the Flyers were going to win a hockey game until they were up 2-0 in the third period against San Jose and decided that they stopped wanting to play offense. 
you know, you're getting outshot 17 to two after the week you've had in the third period alone, you're getting outshot 17 to two at one point in that San Jose the, game. The, in the San Jose game, they got outshot 20 to five in the final period. Right. And then I believe, I mean, Mike Yo's recollection of it was they had one shot after the 10 minute mark of the second period and then only took five in the third. And five is being generous because for a while it was four. I, I counted 14 to two or 15 to two or something. Like that. Maybe it was 16 to two. I don't remember what the number exactly was, but they were sitting on two with two goals. <laughs> like they were actually sitting on a 1000 shooting percentage for. 10 minutes of the period a long time they, they scored on their first two shots and quite frankly they probably should have scored on their first three shots the right, Flyers third shot of the period was the Joel Farabee breakaway and he made an absolutely disgusting move by the and way I don't know better, if you saw a replay of yeah. it yeah and it was a better but, save and and here's the thing absolutely I actually I actually thought that when they scored the second goal that they were that they were actually golden at that point, kind of in a way. Like it just felt like one of those dull, boring games for two periods that you're going, okay, they got the first one. I'm not going to sit here and say that they're going to win based off of one goal, 60 some odd seconds into the period, right? right? Like you can't go off that. But now it's almost seven minutes into the period. They did score on a power play. What happens now? You know, like how does San Jose come back from this when they're kind of shorthanded too? No Logan Couture, no Eric Carlson. Like they've but got you know the who players. they did have. They sure did have Tomash Hurdle. Hurdle power, baby. And of course, I'm playing against him in fantasy. So, of course, he gets a hat trick on Saturday night against my team to win the game when they were Who up was 2 nothing in the third period. And I'm playing against him in fantasy. I didn't, I didn't have that fortune anyway. I, I was more fortunate than that, I should say. I had the opponent of who I'm playing this week had Brent Burns, who assisted on all three. So that fact is a little bit, but there was also an added bonus to the fact that Retsy, because goals, if, if you're playing in the same platform that I'm using, then yes, like things, there's things that carry more weight. So his game winner carries more weight, right? Yeah. Tomas Hurdle also won 15 faceoffs on Saturday night. So we got a whole bunch of points from that too. So he also, guy I'm playing also has Nathan McKinnon. So it's just been a bad week for me. Yeah, I hear you. Like Nathan McKinnon has seven points in I think two games. I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm playing anybody like that serious. Like you know who's had that um, serious of a week. You know, yeah, like I'm I'm getting buried this week, Gabe. I don't think you listen to the show, but if you do, <laughs> and I'll see you next time. <laughs> I know Mike. I know we got some uh, some people from that league that do listen, but uh, I don't think Gabe's one of them. Uh, he's a Devils fan, so I don't know why he'd be listening to a flyer show anyway. Uh, so. The fault of this team, I don't think it lays at the feet of Mike Yo. You know, he wasn't your head coach. I don't think it, Saturday night lays at the feet of Martin Jones. I think he played a pretty decent hockey game out of your backup goaltender. But things are bad. Things are things are really, really not good. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to start the whole show off right away with where I'm going to go with everything. Um but it's, you know, I guess we can start with the three games that are on the ice right now that we just yeah. w that we somehow just witnessed. I mean, if you want to know my thoughts on kind of where everything is at this point, I mean, or not where everything is collectively, but like going into the games this week. You know, I, if you listen to last week's show, I didn't have much confidence that they were going to be able to beat Anaheim on the final game of that road trip. You know, that's, you know, not really a big like that's not that wasn't a surprise to me. Anaheim's been kind of hovering around top ten level all year. 
Yeah, so they surprised. might make the playoffs in a weak Pacific division. Uh, by Well, yes, it is a very weak Pacific. But also, by the way, one of the things that I did um, with my takeaways from that game was I wrote a whole kind of section on the way that Anaheim's built their team up kind of through the draft and stuff. And they're just a, they're a really fun team. And that didn't even they didn't even have Trevor Zegers that night. Like, no. And and without and without Trevor Zegers, they still attempted the Zegers, <laughs> which was like you're sitting here going, "That's a team that's loose, that's entertaining, that having fun." Well, having fun, but also come playoff time, that's a team that people are going to want to watch. Like there, and there's, I, I kind of find a lot of those in the Western Conference period right now. Like the Western yeah. Conference is very wide open. You remember a couple years ago, I think it was 2017, when the um, the Oilers made the playoffs and they won the first round and they, they looked like they were going to go on a little bit of a run and they were just a fun team and they were running and gunning and up and down the ice and they were winning game 6-5 and it was... This Ducks team reminds me a lot of that. Like, just that loose, fun, do, we're going. Do you, know what, do you know what's interesting to me kind of in a, in a big picture kind of standpoint from the entire league anyway? You know, Tampa's very clearly been the class for a while. Like, we know this. They're the team to beat, for sure. But in, like, these last couple playoffs where it's it hasn't really been completely normal, so you get Dallas that ends up there, and it was weird circumstances, and certainly very weird circumstances for Montreal to play Tampa Bay in, in a Stanley Cup final. But yes, you get the, But you kind of get from the other side. Like, Tampa's the expected, and the other side is this wild card. Like, even down to... A few years back, like you're talking about, the year that the Predators made the Stanley Cup final. Oh, man. No, the, the Western Conference final was Predators-Ducks. Yep. Like, and a few years later, it was like they weren't even making, you know, making the playoffs. To be fair, it's it's a pretty different Ducks team. <laughs> no, it is. And, well, and it's a different Preds team now, too. And the, But the True. here's the thing. Very different Preds team down to, you know, the guys they traded away. Victor Arvidsson's playing in L.A. Ryan Ellis got traded to Philly, you know, and they didn't get like it's not like they got some massive return, you know, right. like to bolster their current lineup or anything. Like, that. like I look their lineup doesn't exactly scream on paper near top of the Western Conference. No, but they're they're playing for each other and they've got they do have they're they, having they, fun. Do, they do. No, but I was going to say they have kind of cornerstone guys like I'm not going to sit here and tell you UC Soros is. Pecorine 2.0 here nope. like he hasn't gotten to that point of his career yet but he's a very stable goaltender who learned underneath of Rene for all those years kind of was his understudy eventually like for a like, long time but eventually like for the last roughly two seasons I want to say we've seen that tandem kind of even out the workload has shifted a little right. bit so Pecorine was, wasn't starting 60 games a year anymore so he was groomed for that role Yossi's a Norris candidate almost all the time. Like Yossi's an elite. He's one of the elites in the game. Yossi's one of the position. top 10 defensemen in the right. NHL. At, at no his doubt. position, he's an elite. Yeah. And then you do still have the skill and stuff up at front. Like Forsberg is a very skilled player. I still see stuff all the time about, you know, I think people, for, a people, move he people sleep or, on Philip Forsberg. He's, I don't know why I haven't been at all. I've loved, I've liked him since I don't so know how long this, this 2015, new, I guess this new generation of guys, the Zegras and the Milanos and the guys who are just doing all sorts of crazy stuff. He's kind of Philip Forsberg was kind of one of the first guys to start doing that sort of thing. Like Did, nothing, nothing crazy, but he was starting to do some some innovative stuff a couple of years ago. He's the first of this new breed. Yeah, and I don't. I mean, did you see? Did you see my reference to 
because Troy Terry had a hat trick in that game. We're talking about two hat tricks this week. Two hat tricks in the same week, and neither of the one of them was a flyer shocker. Turns out you have to score three goals in a game for one player to score all three of them. (laughs) Yeah, and they didn't do that. That's true. No. Um, JVR tried his best, though. I'll get uh, you know what I'll get into that when we kind of shift from the yeah. Ducks game to the Sharks game because I I th- that that whole day is an adventure you know what I mean um so back to the Anaheim game because Troy yeah. Terry scores the hat trick in that night I one of my notes was I was having twenty I guess it was twenty seventeen World Junior flashbacks because that was the year U S won the gold against Carter Hart and Team Canada right and Troy Terry was the shootout master I Phenomenal. mean yeah. and TJ so Oshie in Russia type shootout <laughs> right so he gets the breakaway you know on the second goal he scores and just makes a move and I'm like there's almost nothing Carter Hart can do because it's like we've seen this we've seen yep. this before you know like. He goes and he makes a move. He didn't. It wasn't the same move that he did in the gold medal game all those years ago. But it's close enough, right? Well, it's close enough. So, yeah. you know, we'll see. We'll see where that. I mean, we'll see collectively where that team goes down the road. But certainly not a shock. But I, I mean, I guess the only surprise was that they again another team that was still missing guys. I mean, the, the, obviously, and we can kind of while we're talking about the fact that they did lose three more times this week, losing streaks at five, all of that, this was happening as as the week started and moved towards later parts. And it they, definitely impacted things. And, right, because well, they played the first game of the week. They played the Anaheim game without Drew and Prover up to the point where Claude Drew is sitting in his hotel room in Anaheim, not even able to watch the game because it's blacked, it's out, blacked locally. out locally. So yep. he's stuck. He's FaceTiming his wife to get it on television, you know, or whatever, or to be able to see it or whatever. Hey, Claude, and... Claude, I got three very simple letters for you. V, P, N. <laughs> well, true. But um, anyway, um, you know, that's that was not. It just tells you where the team's at. When something like I that know. happens, when Claude Giroux hits the COVID list, you know, the day of the, day of the game, they're already in California. And then he's stuck in his hotel room and can't find a stream, can't find the game. Well, and look, suppose look, there was a lot of awful stuff with that whole situation because the Ducks were dealing with an issue already too. So you have the Ducks dealing with something. Right. The Flyers now at that point had technically four names on the list because Sealer and Jackson Cates were already out too. So you're okay. down you're already down players as it is. There was like if if not for the players they were carrying on the taxi squad, they would not have been able to ice team. Right. Basically, they would not have had enough players. They would, to have ice gone, the they would have gone short. And we've seen some teams go short this season, you know, 10 or 11 forwards, five defensemen. Like we at from time to time, we've seen teams ice less than full rosters. Right. And well, and not only that, but you've got games being postponed for no reason other than that. They can't have fans there in <sighs> Canada. That's frustrating. And yet there's guys missing left and right from U.S. NHL rosters at this point. And not able to to put out the same kind of product, and it's like the NHL is getting exactly what they deserve for this type of stuff. If they're getting lousy games, you're getting exactly what you deserve for this. Down to the Thursday game against Pittsburgh, that the only reason that game took place with Giroux, Provorov, Konechny, Sanheim all out, and down to half of an AHL roster playing for one side, which this should not come as a shock. We saw this in Lake Tahoe last year, right? That. It was basically because the game was streamed exclusively on ESPN Plus and Hulu, and the and NHL had to, to blow one of the their NHL had dates. to collect their big bucks, you know. 
Sell your soul to collect time. If you include Lake Tahoe, that the, that the flyers have been forced into a marquee national game with not even an NHL roster, just not even close to the point where I believe that the case for the penguins was Jeff Carter was eligible to come back from COVID protocol that night, skated in the morning, like as a morning skate thing with the reserves as in, we don't have to rush him back because we don't need him tonight. Must be and, nice. And Evgeny Malkin, who was supposed to possibly come back for that night. Yeah, we don't need to do that yet. We can hold we him talked, out for another night. You mentioned Igor Zamula earlier and mentioned that he only has, I think, two career games, you said. Is the other one Lake Tahoe? Did he play in that game? Uh, I'd have to look him up. I went to go look him up on the... Uh... I think there's a real chance that Igor Zamula's only two games are these skeleton crew games. Well, he also played – I don't know if anybody remembers this. He played in the um, – what would qualify as the preseason-ish, like, whatever game that was in Toronto before right. the bubble stuff really started. Um, he's got three career games. So, Pittsburgh this year. What's last year? Last year might be Lake Tahoe. No. Okay, he did not. Oh, he didn't play Lake Tahoe. Okay. No, he played two meaningless games at the end of April against New Jersey. Sounds about right. Plus uh, uh, plus one, no points for what it's so, worth. So speaking of meaningless games, uh, where, <laughs> where do we go from here? Because right now, uh, it certainly seems as though the Flyers might be bad enough to actually get a reasonable draft pick to kind of head towards the bottom. And you know, oh, we you... spent a lot of last show talking about Claude Giroux, and there's been a lot of talk about that this week. But where – so I know where you go from here. You keep going to the Wells Fargo Center. You keep writing articles for Sports Talk Philly, sportstalkphilly.com, at sportstalkphl, at Flyerdelphia, by the way. But where do All we that, as the fan base go from here? It, it's it's hard to get excited about this team right now. <laughs> okay, you can say that again. Um, I don't know where – I don't know where everybody else goes. I mean – you're right. I go down there and I have something to do. You have I a have job. A, I have a, a job to do when I go down and watch a game. You're right. You, you I don't I have don't to know. go. Nobody's got a gun to your head, but you kind of have to go. <laughs> I I don't think it's fair to people if I don't go because of the fact that it just makes me look as fair weather as maybe any other average sure. fan to an extent. Like I'm sure. not going to just sit here and act like I was still down there watching those last handful of games in May when they were more than out of it. I mean, it was beyond his report on the team. Good times and bad. Well, right. But not just that, but like, I I can't just ignore the fact that there's a game going on. Oh, I'd rather, you know, look, could I, could I say I'd rather sit here at home? Sure. And yeah, because at home you can drink to combat the awful product you (laughs) see on your screen. (laughs) I, I mean, I probably don't during a game anyway, but. Whatever, you know, hey, I, I get the way, where the, the way the rest of the season might go. You should probably think about starting, especially <laughs> especially these uh these road games. <laughs> well, I'm just glad I don't have to stay up until 10 o'clock anymore for the start of one. I'm glad that kind of flyers after dark is relatively over at this point. I mean, what one one nine o'clock or for the rest of the uh, rest of the year, I think, because they got Colorado down the line. That's about it. Okay, but as it sits right now, we got. We're sitting here on Sunday, Sunday the 9th recording, and we have Giroux, Provorov, and then the Travises, the Travi. 
Yeah, I don't know. I tried to, I tried to piece that together for you guys. I didn't know how to explain it. I, I believe you said the Travises. Yes, I did. But I didn't know if that was accurate. Like, I didn't know if that's the right way to say it, you know? Both both gentlemen named Travis on the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, Konechny and Sanheim, have well, was really, also hit the COVID list. It was really funny, though, because when... So James and Reams, like, scored two goals in the Saturday game against San Jose, and his second one was a deflection on the power play. So that's where Cam York's first point came in, but Cam Atkinson had the other assists. So there's two Cams on the team too right now. Okay. You know, like it's funny, like you got multiples in a lot of areas, I guess. You yeah. know, for what you it's know, worth. Listen, I mean, it, man, you know the team's bad if we're talking about, oh, they have two guys named Cam. Because uh, in fairness, Atkinson's been one of the few players who's actually been enjoyable to watch. I agree. I mean, he's he's played well above his the value expected, if I yeah. if I may. I and, mean, like, and I'm sure a conversation is going to happen at some point, and we might have it on this show. We might have it on a future show about Chuck Fletcher, and and we have talked about him quite a lot. And if he should or shouldn't be on the hot seat, uh, Ellis, we've talked about all of that. Uh, the three big shots I look at last season are Ellis, Ristolainen, and Atkinson. Okay. And Ellis is, you know, it's an incomplete heading towards the bottom half of your your grade scale just because, you know, as you like to say, the best ability is availability. (laughs) Uh, To me, Cam Atkinson is the polar opposite of that. As far as the moves Chuck Fletcher made this offseason, Cam Atkinson is an absolute win. You can tell he wants to be in Philadelphia. He's quick. He shoots the puck. He wants to be here. He's trying his best to have fun. Like, Cam Atkinson was a good pickup. Yeah. Um, it's not that he's not. He because we're 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 not quite at the halfway point of the season yet, and he's at 14 goals. Yep. So he's given you a 30 goal season, which I I think is fair. He's not necessarily the four like he's only done the 40 goal plat mark. You know, he's hit 40 goals once in his career. 41 right. is his career high. But he's been able to do th- like he's done 35 in the past. He's definitely been able to get up in that 30 range and I think that that's fair for him he's in a spot where he's giving you exactly he's actually giving you more than what you should expect I mean I think that his pace from last season was something like 25 and he's on pace for 33 this year something like that or it was 22 and it's 30 this year or something in that range like it's something like that so he's on pace for something like nine goals more this year than he was last year hey just real quick how many goals is Jake Voracek on pace for Oh, Jake Voracek, because he's only up one so far this year. But the point the point totals are near identical, which, in fairness, production-wise, and I had said that when the trade happened, by the way, that oh, the yeah. deal was going to work out for both sides in the sense that they were both going to get something that had an element to it that's going to work. I honestly, you know, I look at where Columbus is. I, I mean, look, I can sit here and tell you because of how much I'm down there and around the Flyers, this is not a playoff team. No, so I'm not. No. I, so I'm not afraid to say that. I don't know if Columbus is a playoff team per se. I mean, they're in the race. I'm not going to take them that away it's, from them. It's going to be tough in the East. I think the they're a issue, playoff team if they play in the West. I think in the East. Well, because the I issue the issue in the East is this. every You can go look at both divisions, the Atlantic and the Metro, and the top three are already, I don't want to call it set, but the top three, if you are in the top three right now, you are making the playoffs probably. Unlikely to change. Let's do that. <laughs> well, see, I don't even want to say that because I don't want to bank on, like, Pittsburgh has come up really quick on the top three in the Metro. So of I don't want to have. Yeah, I know, haven't but gotten I, Gino back yet. Well, yeah, but I don't want to take away the fact that they're in range to change that order around. That's fair. And yet all four that I could mention are going to make the playoffs. Right, um, you're going to get four teams from the Metro, which means if you're going to make it as Columbus, you need to beat out 
Tampa or Florida or Boston or Toronto and like and good I luck. think and the thing is is that Boston has recently come along far enough at this point that they are creating without creating any noticeable separation just looking at point totals well, they are they, creating separation in points percentage well you heard they signed that young exciting goalie prospect right oh yeah Tuka. to an ahl contract that that rask kid i, I heard he's gonna i think he's gonna be good one day you can count my words on it <laughs> said it here first. you heard it here first he's Tuka, only one of i think the, i'm pronouncing that right Tuka rask is gonna be a good nhl goaltender one day <laughs> He's only the uh, second winning is goaltender from Finland in in the NHL, you know. And but oh, for by some oh. reason, the Bruins fans still hate him. I mean, I know exactly why. It's for that fifteen seconds in the the twenty thirteen Stanley Cup. But you know, <laughs> yeah, Cam Atkinson's been he's been good this year, and he's been above the projection typically for me. I mean, and I, I that doesn't really surprise me with his mentality. He shoot first. He's you know, he's got a great attitude. He really does. To he's put got up that with, puppy dog mentality. To put up with all this, absolutely. I mean, to go. <laughs> I, I don't want to say that he never like. He obviously had good times in Columbus. Don't get me wrong. I mean that that series against Tampa Bay, they were they were flying high that series after that. I mean they were just probably having the time of their lives. You know, like in terms of playing and things like that. But he kind of comes out of that situation. They're not. I mean, that's not a bad team. You know, last year anyway. I mean, like that's not a bad team, and right. yet he's he's going to go to a new situation, and it was it's kind of been what like it, it has kind of been exactly what we all thought, which was it's all or nothing. You know, it really is all or nothing for them. And you know, I like I said, I don't know if they are a playoff team per se. I mean, they're in the race. I'm not going to take that away from them. They're in the race, and they sure. do. They do pull together some really good results from time to time, you yeah. know, but I just I, I keep looking. I want to go see if I can pull it up really quick to see exactly how Boston looks at this point, because Boston is at 38 points. Thirty five is Detroit. Thirty three is Columbus, Philly and New Jersey. And Columbus is the only team of the four that I mentioned below Boston that has like is modestly close to the number of games that Boston has played. Right. Like, ev like Boston's at 31, at least Columbus is at 33 and you go that okay. could even, it could relatively even out. It's not outrageous to They're think they're still that. within shouting distance to Boston. For but, the, sure. but the other thing is, is that when you have that many, like when you're a team like Boston, that has games in hand. If it's only two, that's not a lot to say, you know, oh, they could lose both as easily as they could win both and extend it by four points. They could also miss out on the four points, and the margin is still as we see it. Right. For for Detroit to be four up on them in games played, but three points back, that's not favorable. You have eight points waiting there. That's technically, I mean, you're realistically looking potentially at double digits. Right. You know what I mean? In points. The Flyers are looking at double digits in points. New Jersey's looking at double digits in points. The only team that actually comes relatively close is the fact that the Islanders are 12 points back of Boston, but also have three games in hand on them Whew. to say, hey, listen, we could get six of the 12 back and, and be six back, and all of a sudden they're in it too. And that's, you know. Yeah, the playoff race in the East is going to be interesting. The, the reason the playoff race in the East is going to be interesting is because of the fact that it is basically one spot for yep. maybe four teams. Yep. Because I don't know. Look, I don't know if the Islanders can get really back into the race. It's tough. It's a challenge. They're really behind the eight ball here. Teams 
teams that are where they are right now, as we are sitting where we, I mean, like uh, unless they turn into the second coming of the 2019 St. Louis blues, then they are not going to make the playoffs probably because but it's really, it's but really if anybody's, hard. If anybody's going to do it, it's a Lou Lamorello, Barry Trotz team. Well, I, I don't know what Lou Lamorello is going to be able to do to try to fix that. Like they've got, they've got a lot of players. It's a veteran team. They don't exactly have a ton of youth that's coming through. Right. And some of those veteran players are just kind of maybe hitting the end of the road. I mean, I don't want to say it like for everybody that they're all peaked at what they are, but like, it is it is a team that there's lost. not a whole lot of development left and, there. Well, and it, and it's a team that lost Jordan Everlay in expansion, and that's you know for it for a Seattle team that didn't exactly draft all of the low hanging fruit that was there for top players. They Carson certainly Torinsky. they certainly took a reasonable player from the Islanders. I mean, they took a guy who helps right away. Absolutely, like, and that's why they took him. Did. Well, sure, I, I, you can't blame them for that. Oh, I if mean, he's there, you take him absolutely. And, and in fairness, did the Islanders have much of a choice? No, because when you're trying to protect as many guys as they had, you got to protect Barzil and Lee and and they didn't want to pay a first and a third, which right. is what and Seattle was allegedly charging. Exactly. So, and that's and that's the difference. Like we started the show with the Western Conference stuff, and the Western Conference might might as well be a free for all. I think if I if I go through, um, three teams are out of it. Yeah. If I really go through, like I, I think Arizona's not going to make it, Seattle's not going to make it, and Chicago's not going to make it. Arizona even... barely qualifies as a team at this point. Yeah, I hear you. I can't even. I'm not even kidding when I say this. I can't even rule out Vancouver right now at five points, four points back of the final playoff spot. Vancouver is very because not Vancouver out there. Their, their record the... in the Boost Boudreaux era is spectacular. Exactly. They made a coaching change, and it had that effect. It yep. did turn some stuff around, and now they're in the race too. So I knew I know we were always gonna end up here when you hire Elaine Vigneault and they, he brings in Michelle Terrian and Mike Yo. I knew we were always gonna end up with one of those guys being the interim. But I wonder if if you go out there I'm thinking I'm saying I'm saying to myself, if you go out there and make a real coaching change and hire a coach. Does it do anything? But then I'm thinking about how the last couple of weeks have gone since Mike Yo took the reins. And I said earlier that this season's not on him, and I do firmly believe that. I don't know what any other coach could have done. I don't know what a John Tortorella could have done. I, like, and, I, and it's a name that was out there, right? I, you know, we talked about it. I don't know how much that... Yeah, I, I don't even I don't know how much that even matters. Like it just yeah, I'm switching this over because because what you're saying starts this segment. Yeah, it does um, <laughs> because I, I've been sitting here the whole show and I've been thinking about it, and it's it's hard to say. You've been thinking about it. I've been thinking about it for a week. I know. I, I wrote stuff down. It's hard to say it's Mike Yo again because he took the reins halfway through. He didn't have the team. I get it. Okay, I'm just gonna ask it like this. <laughs> Uh, October 2022, the new yeah. season is beginning. Okay. Is Chuck Fletcher the general manager? I don't have that answer, obviously. Uh, of course. Um, if, if you do ask me right now, though, um, not to answer the question, but if you ask me, that is one of the three questions left surrounding this team. Okay. Is... So, wait, let me let me guess here. Let's see if I can do this. So, what, what one is that. Does question? Chuck Fletcher get hired? Or, Two is, or, or you mean get fired? Fired, right? yeah, yeah. 
Two is where does Claude Giroux go? Slash, does Claude Giroux go? Kind of. Okay. Because, and I'll give you credit for it because the second question to me, and this is question number two, is who who makes it through the trade deadline? Okay. That's it's a it's a broad spectrum trade deadline picture because truthfully. We don't like. I don't know the direction they're going to take right now. It would be easy to look at the way they're playing right now, to look at the losing streaks they've had. You know, now you had one of ten, you've had one of five. So you sandwich together. What did they do? They won three games in a row, lost a game in in a shootout, and won another game to put together to start to put together points in a row. Kind of like it was. By the way, your, that, your next five are Hurricanes, Boston Rangers, Islanders, Islanders. So this could very easily be another 10 game losing streak, by the way. Well, the Islanders are going to be the X factor. I think it's another eight game losing streak waiting. To, like, but if that's already. an Islanders team that looks at the playoffs and thinks they have a shot at making it, they're going to beat you. Well, let me check something really quick for them. Cause there's an, there's another element to this. that's going to be really important. And it's the fact that they have barely played. I mean, okay. this team has barely played in the last month. Yeah. So they are they are currently scheduled to come back and play on Thursday against New Jersey and Saturday against Washington. Still have plenty of time that, to warm up before they come play the Flyers. Bingo. Before that home and home. So they might come out and maybe not look the best against New Jersey. And Washington's certainly in a pretty decent spot so far. But maybe not, you know. But by the time you get to Monday, Tuesday, and they're playing their third and fourth games in like five or six days... They're going to be rolling. Exactly. Yep. And um, so here's so here's where I'm at with that. To, first, first of all, um, so that's a, that was the second question. That's where I was trying to get back to. So the second question is, who makes it through the deadline? And I don't even know if there's a good answer to it because they're going to look at the standings and try to defend the fact that they're in the race. I know. Like, well, like and that's, they're going to. It's what they always do. And that's why I don't necessarily think that Chuck Fletcher is going to get fired. I hear okay. This is where I think that you're. This is where I don't, not don't agree, but this is I don't agree with the way that I think it's gonna go down. Which is this, I I think that if he's not the guy you're gonna stick with, then you need to do this. I don't want to say as soon Yesterday. as possible. Well, no, I don't want to say as soon as possible, but you better do it before you get into the heart of trade season. Well, because if, you, if right. someone's gonna start to dismantle this thing, then that should be the person who's also trying to build it back. The last thing you want is a situation like the Edmonton Oilers had a couple of years ago where their GM signs Miko Koskin into a three-year, four-and-a-half-million-dollar-a-year extension. Right before Shirelli got fired. And then gets fired the next day. You cannot Um, have that. That is an unacceptable circumstance to happen here. That's Peter Shirelli for you. Right. But tell me you can't see something like that happening here. No, I see it being worse, which is I see Chuck Fletcher being the one who's in the GM's chair and in the driver's seat at the deadline who has to decide kind of whether or not they still do, think do they I can general go manage, for it. Do I general manage for my job? I don't even know if it's general manage for your job because here's the problem with that, what you just said. Does general manage for your job mean do whatever you can to still see if you can help the team, which I, we, I know we agree that it's probably not the right answer, but general in, manage for your job means general manage to win as many games as possible down the stretch. Whether or not that is the correct answer for the team, I think you and I both know that we probably wouldn't go that direction. But that, okay. Chuck Fletcher's not thinking about the future of the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah. Chuck Fletcher is thinking about his future with the Philadelphia Flyers. I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be. Right. So why, 
if you're Chuck Fletcher and you're within theoretical shouting distance of a playoff race, why would you do decisions that you and I both agree would be correct decisions, right? Why would you fire Rasmus Ristolainen and Keith Yandel into the sun? Like, why would you do those things? These are guys who you brought in to theoretically help you make the playoffs. And look, you're theoretically close to making the playoffs. Why would you get rid of those guys? Okay, so so let me counter with that a little bit because you're you're partially right. Why would you go to the deadline if the goal is win as many games as possible, try to make the playoffs, all that type of stuff? If that's your goal, then yes, you're right. Why would you voluntarily trade away Claude Giroux? Why would you give up on Rasmus Ristolainen? And why would you do those things? Well, and that has you're, to be a goal. Hold on. Your fire Keith Yandel into the sun thing to like why would you do that if you're trying to win games is because um if you actually want the goal of winning games right now i think that that's actually a legitimate move oh you're like, right man he's like like atrocious. like be realistic here you know down the stretch i'll give the flyers not credit but like i'll sit there and i'll go you know what some of the games that they probably won down the stretch last season have a lot to do with the fact that they had traded away eric gustafson and couldn't employ him like think wrong. about it like if you can't employ the guy anymore and and I don't look, I know that the, we all know what the goal is at this point for for Yandel for the foreseeable future until it happens. It's get yeah. to the record. We know that that's the goal. And and listen, partially in their defense, they can't even ice a team that takes him off the ice because right. there's nobody else you can do. I mean, you could uh, look, I know there's people out there that are going to argue. Why not play Zamula over Yandel? You know, when clearly he's like, at least we would like to see. Zamula over Yandel. Yeah, you, you, it doesn't matter though. They're going to play the guy who's been around the block for how many years has Yandel played? Fifteen. Right, and and like you mentioned, your coaches, either Eileen Vino or Mike Yo, have only really had the option to scratch Keith Yandel a very small handful of times. Right, because well, and 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 the biggest reason is Ryan Ellis. Yep. I mean, if Ryan Ellis is healthy, then you're changing your tune a lot. I mean, my my issue here. What happens? Was he uh, eight games away from the record? Something like that? Eight, nine games? So. He's he's within 10 games. I know that for a fact. Yes, he is within 10 games. I, I've kind of lost count because of the fact that, I mean, so, honestly, these games are all blending together for he, me. He's going to play in a game, and he's going to tie the record. And then he's going to play in the next game, and he's going to beat the record. If he's still in the lineup after that, we have a problem. And and again, obviously, this is assuming that you have the option and, you know, you have the available defenseman that you don't need to play him. My issue. OK, do you want him to have the record or do you want him to break the record in your jersey? Because if you want him to have the record forever and ever, amen, if you're protecting the streak, then you can't pull him after he breaks it because Phil Kessel's right behind him. I But I don't think that that's. I want to say that that's not the point, but like, I know where you're going with it. But what I'm trying to get at is that if if that's the goal for him, then there's a possibility it's going to be meant to be broken at some point anyway. I mean, like, let's put it this way: this happened in Florida. You know what I mean? He played in Florida, and they waited to scratch him until a playoff game when it didn't. When it doesn't blow the, the streak, record. didn't matter anymore. But guess what? Putting the best team on the ice damn sure does. Yep. You know. Well, and so, that's how you know. That the only reason he's in the lineup is for that record because I, Florida did it. Like you just said, the second that they could get away with scratching him and not ruining the record, they did it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so I don't know. I just don't know. I mean, look, there's plenty of time left until the deadline for this to not matter. I, I, you know? heard, I heard something a couple of days ago around Keith Yandel. Oh, boy. Keith Mishandle Yandel. <laughs> and that's a great nickname. 
No, I just I seen people who do he misyandled it. He, you know, all that's that it's yeah. listen, I I respect Keith Yandel as a hockey player. He has had a very long storied, <laughs> durable career. Stop. Well, I mean, okay, and let's let's continue with this state of the like the sad state of the flyer thing because yeah. of the fact that like listen, let's just let's let's stop focusing na- and narrowing in on Keith Yandel for a moment here because of the fact that we need to like one one of the things I think we need to talk about is the fact that again another head coach has kind of questioned the will and determination and work ethic of this team, and it took how many games has Mike Yo been a head coach for? Twelve. Like if I think I think that's what it is. I think it is twelve. Like I think it was game twenty two that they started with him as the head coach. I think they got through twenty or twenty one with AV, and then Yo comes in, and okay, the first couple aren't going to look so good. That was kind of acknowledged. Sure. But then they do go on a little tiny bit of a run. You know, I get it. Like I'm not not crazy run. I'm, you know what I mean though. It's not. It's Five a run. Five in a row. Yeah. But, well, point streak is seven. Right, and that makes some form of sense, but like. You come back from it with, you know, the last game of that point streak is a loss, and now you've lost four more, only one of them in extra time. So, again, here's a five-game stretch, just two points out of ten. So you're fading fast, and that's where my first kind of – I told you I got a couple things up my sleeve this show. I did. You did. So yeah. you, you, here's my first one, and this is – I mentioned three questions, right? The three questions left yeah. remaining for the team. Uh, my first one is, is how low do the Flyers finish in the standings and how high do they pick next year? Because truthfully – I think that this is a bottom five team. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that question is pretty intertwined with the Chuck Fletcher question. I think oh, it if, is. if you see Chuck Fletcher go, let's let's say Chuck Fletcher gets fired next week, right? And I'm certainly not wishing unemployment upon anybody, but let's say next week, you know, the word comes from on high that Chuck Fletcher's not doing his job. The building's empty. People are cheering more for Eagles touchdowns than Flyers, you know, shots yeah, on that. Yeah, that... Because I can't say goals because I huh, shots on net. Yeah. Um, at a certain point, the building's going to empty out. It's it's and I know it's starting to. Started. I I've heard that things were a little bit light on Saturday for a Saturday night game, and you can write that one. You know, you, one time you can write that one off as there was an Eagles game across the street. I get that, but eventually the building's going to start emptying out. You're going to see eight dollar tickets on StubHub still sitting there when the game starts. And when that happens, when Comcast has a financial reason to step in, maybe you see something. And if that happens, I would like to see whoever comes in for the rest of the season to tear it down. Everybody with a year left, gone. Everybody with two years left, maybe gone. That's a good place to start. I mean, you can make a lot of changes to a team by just taking care of the one years and maybe a couple of the two years. And especially this team, because you saw Chuck Fletcher last year. I think he kind of put, I'm not going to say he put all his eggs in this basket, but I think he hedged some bets knowing that this was going to be a pretty big year for him. So this is, all right, so this is part of where I'm at with this. And again, I want to continue down this road that we're on because of the fact that, so you you mentioned a little, you kind of hinted at it. First of all, by the way, so you're telling me it was not a pretty good crowd for a Saturday. If I'm going to pull the... Uh, well, the, the regular weekend. crowd shuffled in. Eh. I don't know. I, would, I wouldn't go that Listen, far. Listen, can you I... get me a tonic and gin, please? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean... <laughs> Is is that what is that what is that what you're drinking to get through this? I, you can skip you the tonic, start. honestly. Okay, just just, just pour the liquor into my mouth. 
because <laughs> this team is just painful, and we saw it last year. And this Straight team, up a, so you're, I mean, you're either so you're either just drinking stuff straight, or you're telling me that you're gonna, I don't know, like what? Do you want? It's not, it's not martini level team. You know, we're kind of well past that, right? We're well, not I having mean, a martini and getting back to you later. I, I feel like martinis are a sign of a good team, though. That, that's a well, fun it is drink. because right. it's supposed to be that you're Tampa Bay have... Lightning fans drink martinis. Actually, you know? they actually there was I forget where I saw this, but there there was a thing where um, uh, John Cooper was doing an interview with, well, and he's having a drink while doing it because like that's the whole point of the show that he was on, right? And he just had like straight Canadian whiskey, which is like I think that that's that sounds to me like. That's a good night. That sounds like drinking like a champion. And he, I mean, I know like he said he, there. We all saw the quest for the cup videos, too, where he's sitting out by the by his pool in Tampa, smoking a cigar with the Stanley Cup sitting on the, the Adirondack chairs next to him or whatever. John like, Cooper, longest tenured coach in the NFL, NHL. And for good, good reason. <laughs> Man, wouldn't it be nice to cheer for like a good team? team <laughs> I, I said it to you. I think I said it before the show. How many times can we watch a team finish between 7th and 10th in the conference? How many times can we watch a team pick 15th and pick Jay O'Brien? No offense, Jay. Like, how many, how many times? How much longer? How? Okay. Last season, we had, a, we had a conversation on this show when things were bad. And one of the things you said was, they've changed the coach. They've changed the GM. It's finally on the players. And over the summer, we saw we saw some of that. We saw yeah. Chuck Fletcher change a decent amount of the personnel, right? You trade away Jake Voracek. You, you lose a lot. Of, you change the team dramatically. Here we are, and I, what do we change now? I mean, if we, if we fire the GM, we're just starting it over again, right? Like, we, we've talked about untouchables, and you and I both had Carter Hart and I believe Joel Farabee as the only two that we shared. I I can't – yeah, I can't necessarily part ways with Joel Farabee that easily. I don't know that – I don't know that it's off the table. And the and, But here's the problem. I, I'm not going to trade a player to try to get somebody who I think is going to make me that much better right now. Like, I, there's nobody on this team, maybe outside of Carter Hart, I'm not, I'm who's going to land about... you – I'm not talking about getting better right now. I think no, that I fire know, but... has burnt. You have to start it over. No, I know, but that's what I'm saying. I don't know that there's a player on this team that 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 creates a blockbuster deal setting that changes some things up like that. Like I just don't know. And and your the bigger concern to me, and this is I guess I'm getting into the stuff that I started to jot notes down on because of the fact that this is where this is where it is to me. I mean. Look, okay, I, I go down there and I genuinely enjoy, I, you know this, I genuinely enjoy what I do. I, I you know. Yes. It's, it, it, not many people get to sit up there, obviously. It's a, it's a, it's, I call it a privilege every single time I get to go, all that type of stuff. And, you know. You have a passion for the game and for your role within the game. Right. And I, but like, I like to sit there and say that I, like, Really, and I mean this. I like to sit there and think that hockey found me, not the other way around. Like, and I, and I say this meaning, I went to I went to school for this type of stuff. I wanted to write about sports. I wanted to cover sports in some way, all that type of stuff. But when I got into college, my interest was baseball. Like, okay. I really wanted to stick to baseball, to be honest. And you know, I'm I'm on with Sports Talk Philly. I'm doing all that type of stuff. I am writing probably more baseball stories than I am anything else because that's what it all started as. 
and then as it opened up and it's well, we can write football and, and hockey and basketball and all that type of stuff. So I go and I pitch in where I can with football and hockey because I go, I, I do watch them. So I'll try to help out and also that, but really like hockey, the, the hockey section of all this is what really took off because of opportunities. It was nobody, to be honest, I I certainly know the game as much as I try to, and I continue to try to learn more and more as I go. And that okay, so that that means I should be able to help out in that area. I do know, like I definitely know the basics of the game. I know how to follow it. I can continue to, to expand on it from there. But then also, that's where the opportunities opened up. I get out of college, credentials start to come into play. I'm able to try to go down. Sure, I, look, if you want to go and do something like that, where you're actually attending with a press credential, you go where the opportunity is sometimes, whether Absolutely. it's your top interest or not. They could have told me, go cover the Sixers, and I'm not the biggest basketball guy, and I would have said I'll do it because of the fact that I want to... I like, It's experience. It's exposure experience, to it's, something. It, and yep. Right. It's experience. It's a credential. It's all that type of stuff. Exactly. So I was like, fine, but it's like, see, my point is, is that at the same time, like, okay, that was the opportunity, but there's enough things that I have in my history, and I've, you know, we kind of dive into, we ha- we both have, we we dive into personal stuff with our, you know, with our sure. lives, how we got to this point, how, why we do the show, right? Yeah. Okay, so, I, like, there's an element of it to me where I go, it's no coincidence that I'm sitting down here at 40-some-odd hockey games a year, or 30-some-odd hockey games a year, depending on how the season goes, and all that type of stuff, and I've got home movies that my parents have of my dad putting me on ice skates when I was two years old. And I've got a picture that of, you know, my dad played men's league when I was born. So he's, he's basically roughly the same age that I am now. And he's playing in men's league. I'm just born. And my mom think about, yeah, a little actually. And my mom made a, like actually because she knows how to sew and do all that type of stuff made a jersey that looked like my dad's jersey and i'm sitting like there's pictures of me at, I'm, I'm, talking, I'm talking about weeks old and i'm sitting in a in a like a, a rink an ice rink that's awesome like so i think it's it's like and that's almost an understatement to say it's kind of in my blood like i i've come up with this and one of the things that I definitely hold, and everybody who watches this show or watches anything else that I do, the appearances on 97.3, all that type of stuff, you see the setup that's behind me. You see it's it's pretty much unchanged for the most part. It stays relatively you know, pretty cohesive consistent. and consistent throughout. So one of the things that you notice is that you should see a picture that's behind me of somebody who I consider a hero in our business. And I, I assume you're talking about Doc Emmerich because the other I picture am. is a little obscured at the moment. Yeah, well, that's the... Uh, by the way, the, if you're listening, you can see these images on our YouTube channel. Oh, if you just search, you would think uh, we'll pop right up on YouTube. Make sure to check us out over there. We're, uh, we're putting all our episodes and up I, um, every week. And I moved, I moved out of the way briefly so people can see the other picture because the other picture is the best game I've, is the best game I've covered so far. Man, it's um, that's one of the top five games I've been to for sure. Sure. So, all right. So back to the you know, so Doc Emmerich's over my shoulder right now, kind of thing. And I've heard him do interviews before, and obviously he is, you know, a legend. Well, he's a legend. But I'm saying obviously now he is not like he's retired. He has, you know, he's had he's to ride done. into he had to ride into the sunset. He like he's had that ride off, and people still, you know, obviously. They miss him in, in this game. They appreciate what he brought to the game. He, and like anybody, you're a broadcaster, you're a reporter, you're a media member, you're an analyst, you're whatever, he, players, management, whatever. 
there's people who like you and there's people who don't. So sometimes you're not everybody's favorite, but for the most part, there was a, I don't want to call it universal because that means literally everybody, but there was a very high percentage of people that favored this person who respected him, who admired him, who thought he was the greatest thing that happened when it came to promoting the game in terms of on television. So to see him do interviews and talk about the game the way that I kind of feel when I go in there, which is the, the, the perks of doing something like being in, in a press box to cover an NHL game, which is they let you into the building for free and yep. you get a good seat and you get to watch the best players in the world. You get to like, rub elbows with Jim where, Jackson at the Swedish Fish Bowl between periods. Not not quite anymore because there is no Swedish Fish Bowl, but, you, you know. A couple the, years so, ago. At, we'll get back there. At the soda machine or at the popcorn stand or whatever you want to go with that. At least those things still are in place for now. Anyway, um, that's how I feel when I go to a game, though. Like, And that, that doesn't change, but I don't want this to be... Like, who wants it to be a job, per se? You know what right. I mean? And and when the team is mired in mediocrity, it's like a little bit of a been. chore. It's a little right. bit of a chore to sit there. You know, and I'm not saying it's a chore to cover the team. Like, I like this is easy. Talking about oh, it yeah. is easy because because no sooner does it leave my mouth and become part of the show that it's over. Like yep. I've said it, it's done. But to actually sit down and write something out, to put the work in on the graphics or the game previews or or takeaways from a game that they lost six to two and go when it feels who's like paying the team, attention. Right. When it feels like the team isn't giving you any reason to write about them. Right. So so like that's part of it for me. And it's you know, like I said, it's always been a privilege to be there, but like and, and obviously I still care because you already said it. Like, why would I be going if I didn't care? Like right. I, I'm there because I do I have a job to do and I do respect that there's something that I have to do with it. But at the same time, there are elements there's elements of what I do that I I won't like obviously I wanna stay consistent. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to write a game preview. We're 35 games into this, and I'm going to write game previews and do takeaways. I didn't do takeaways from the last game, but but I, I'm not doing it for every single one. Sometimes there's things that come up, or it's just a really late one or whatever. Like, Hey, you see this game? Take yeah. it away. <laughs> yeah, okay, maybe that's it. I don't know. Anyway, like... I, but I want to stay consistent with it. I'm there I, like as much as I can be and things putting, like that. Like Putting the time in. Exactly. Yep. So that's the first part of it. But the second part of it kind of comes back to I like exactly where I'm at with like where the franchise is, not only where the franchise is, but kind of going back to that coming up with it in in my blood kind of thing, because I do. I did grow up here and I did go to games as a fan before I was covering the team. Like there's nothing to take away from that. Like my like I you like love Simone Gagne as a kid. Come on now. Who didn't? I did actually like Simone Gagne as a kid. Of yes. course you did. Who of our age? plus minus, say, three or four years on either side of, you know, you and I are fairly close in age. <laughs> Who in that age range doesn't love Simone Gagne? Get out of uh, my face. You're lying it, to me. Yeah, it's pretty tough, you know. I mean, I mean, let's be like, I was watching from a young enough age that my first, was, like, the first flyer that I attached to was John LeClaire. Okay. That was, that was like, the Legion you know of what? Doom. The Legion of Doom was still very much alive and well when I was really starting watching these. Same these team? I was an old, I was always an Eric Desjardins guy. That's fair. Always. I, I, that's totally always. fair. But do you want to know? Okay, but do you want to know what? See, the, you're actually helping me to make my point. Okay. Because because what happens? The state of this franchise right now is almost. I mean, the I can use a ton of different words: indifferent, comatose, apathetic. Like there's Mediocre. actually a, 
well, mediocre is mediocre is how you describe what they're doing results wise. I'm talking about, like I said, people are coming down to a game on a Saturday night. The building is maybe half full. And if, and I, I even said that might be me being generous, to be honest, but it's, it's maybe half full because on that particular Saturday night, it is not just a Flyers home game in town. It's an Eagles home game, too. And whether or not the Eagles game has any meaning or not, it is no different than any other Saturday Sunday combo NFL weekend that's out there. Right. I don't know if you spend a ton of time on TikTok, but uh, being a Flyers fan is ma 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 mid. And if you spend time on TikTok, that's very funny. So you're welcome. <laughs> okay. But either way, just everything about it is just it's it's painful to be a Flyers we're, fan right now. The, the sad part is, is you just flat out said we're relatively around the same age, and I'm just sitting here going, you know, Listen, like you and I operate in different social spheres, and we both know that. <laughs> I don't even like, but okay. I'm really glad that you brought up said platform though, because what I think that management of, and I mean, business management of this team feel like they need to do is cater to the TikTok, Instagram, Gen Z type of group of people, you know, and, 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 and this is not a diss on people who spend time on those on social media or whatever. I think their goal though is, is to, we like we need a gimmick. We need something that's quirky and different, and, and that 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 gets people to do it. Because we talked a lot about Anaheim earlier. They have that. They have that TikTok energy, right? Zegris and Milano and Troy Terry, and like they're just a good, fun team that's having a good time. That's their like, gimmick. That's yeah, their but bit. See, but, see, but see, here's where I'm at with this. You would almost think that management of this team. You would almost thinks, think. Well, you would think. Sideshow, but. Yeah, I guess. But like, but I'm saying like, do, do is is that what they're thinking in their minds that people who come to the games are the generation that is literally like and I'm actually going to demonstrate for the video crowd here. Are the people who come to the game and are like this the entire time? Yeah. Like that that's what they've got to cater to is who's on their phone all the time, so who wants to then pull out their phone, go, "Hey, look, you know, the mascot's doing this, blah blah," cuz that's really the whole world revolves around the mascot right now, you know, all that type of stuff. But but this franchise has had a monumentally bad year, not in terms of on ice play, but the amount of different things we can come up with from not just saying yet another coaching change or, Oh, is the GM in trouble or whatever with the players and all that stuff. But how about like, we already touched on it on recent shows, the dog at center ice, the bags over the heads. Now you forgot, not forgot. You just flat out neglected to acknowledge during a home game that it is your founder's birthday. Yeah, unacceptable. That, as, if to, as if to say, scrub it away from history, it doesn't exist. Although, you know what that does do? Forget, forgetting Ed Snyder's birthday, you know what that what? does do? That gives me confidence that Paul Holmgren isn't as involved as I thought he might be. I hate people who send me comments that, or like that I see comments that go fire. Who, fi- and literally, I'm going to refer to it in this way because this is how these go. Sure. Fire, insert coach's name here. Fire right. Fletcher. Fire Holmgren. Holmgren's not really hired by the team anymore. A senior advisor is like a honorary position for they a promoted who's semi-retired. Him yeah. Like, come on. I know. And I, I was making a joke because I've talked a lot about Paul Holmgren no, on the show. I, you know, it, I'm it talking lets to me know. Because if Paul Holmgren was in that office every day, you, they're you not know, forgetting Ed Snyder's birthday. Oh, I know. You know. You know that I don't. I basically there's never a reason for me to get frustrated with you because you hear me and you're understanding where I'm coming from. This is for everybody out there. We got a pretty good vibe at this point. We've been doing this show together for a while. 
Yeah, going on what? Two and a half years? Something like that. It's it's been a minute. We a whole pandemic. We, well, yeah, didn't we came in like I came in kind of 2019. The season right? leading into the pandemic. Right. 29 started 2019. Okay. Yep. Yeah, that's that's about right. Joel Farabee's <laughs> entire NHL career. No, oh, man. That's how I remember it anyway. Yep. Right? Right, but that you know what? That's why I wanted to bring up Anaheim, by the way, because they have all these fun players. The Flyers have probably one player as fun as half of Anaheim's roster, and it's Joel Farabee. Cam Atkinson may be sure. a close second, but is anybody else on this team having fun? I don't know. I mean, Keith Yandel's not. Kevin Hayes isn't. We we know Kevin Hayes isn't. And to be honest, I don't really blame him for the season he's had. He had a very difficult offseason. No, and all right. So l- l- let me continue with where I'm at with this whole yeah thing at this point because of the fact that you didn't bother like they didn't bother to mention the founder's birthday all that type right. of stuff right like all that what they don't understand is that they think they've got to cater to people like you like and i'm in the media so it's not exactly the same but i'm using myself like to say age range right. they think they got to cater to people like you and me to college age kids to high schoolers to anybody else below like and, and and to an extent, the ones below are probably like if we're getting below high school level, you're probably not like you, anybody who doesn't have cable. Well, anybody who doesn't have yeah, but uh, that, just I in general, going, like that's just kind of the age cutoff I'm using because anybody older than us probably still has cable. Everybody us and younger is just gonna go cordless. Kind of, but I wasn't gonna go like I wasn't going that far with it because like like where I'm going at it with is like okay, the, the age group that's between like that's probably a little bit older than where we are, um, maybe like just shy of having either you're either in that age range where you're just shy of you know the whole big time adulting as i guess we would say where it's right. ma- you know marriage and kids and all buying that type houses of stuff. having buying house right. uh, please slow down for me i mean i'm doing all of it so like the only thing i'm not doing is having a kid right now i am trying to find a house and i am married so like like i i'm already halfway like i'm already halfway into this you're like, already in the door yeah you already got one foot in the adult in the adult life exactly but then i'm i go below that and i go go back to you know go back to college age go back to high school age anybody who basically can and start there because anybody who can get themselves down to the game and then go to that early 30s ish range everything does seem like it needs to be a gimmick and the problem is is that what they don't realize and again dave scott hasn't had his hands on this long enough and all these people who are up there with them what they don't realize is that what did we and here's the best way for me to I guess dive into it. What did we do when there was no games? Oh man. I have what blocked did we do? those I have blocked that somewhere out of my memory, but we did some brackets on Twitter. Okay, right, but what what was the subject matter? All time. We were going through the history. We were doing all sorts of stuff. We did a whole bunch of stuff, if you remember. But what specifically did, oh, are you referring to? You said the magic word. History. history. Like as in who are the great players in oh. this franchise's history? What were the great games in this franchise's history? As if, like, not to say we were trying to educate people. We were trying to we were trying to relate to an audience that we know knows about these games. We were trying to put it out there as a vote, like as if to say, "Hey, take remember what the fun." Okay, the game the games bracket. I think that the final, if I'm not mistaken, the final was the red the Red Army game against uh, JJ Daniel, right, yeah, or something like that, was, or was it, it or was, was it, or or the Stanley Cup game, or something. It was something like that, right? But like the point is, is that how many people who listen to us were probably not alive for it? We weren't alive for it. Okay, so you you keep talking about the gimmicks and what they need to do to kind of keep people engaged as we move forward. Do we need a gimmick? Or do we just need good hockey? 
Well, that's but that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what right. I'm does, saying. We need, does Tampa like, struggle to sell out the building? Does Toronto struggle to sell out the building? Does no? Now Toronto has Toronto has be- the best of both worlds because Toronto's got <laughs> a sure history. They, they've got a history. Uh, t- Toronto is almost doing it right as compared to the Flyers in the sense that let's put it this way. Well, Toronto's until the first round of the playoffs, but you know. well, no. But here's what I mean: long Stanley Cup drought, so they haven't won in forever, longer than the Flyers. Sixty-seven. Right, longer than the Flyers, but. They've got a history that people remember that they honor, that they do pay some form of heritage to, if you will. And they've got a good team on the ice. They've got even, Austin but, Matthews putting up a piss pot full of goals every game. Yeah, but but like regardless of if it's one guy or not, like the point being, that's what you build. Like you've built the whole thing around. You have a legacy. You have a today. You have a future. The whole thing is in one big package for you. Whether you've won like Tampa has the last two years or whether you won last one in 1967, there's a reason people keep coming back to your games. Your building's still full. And it's not to say that people aren't still coming back to Flyers games, but it's almost like now the point of going to the Flyers game, and this is, I was listening to some different people talk about this. You know, I've heard this on radio. I've heard this on, you know, different various other outlets, things like that. When you go to a Flyers game anymore, How many things are there that are kind of meant to be there to distract you from actually watching said game? I'll be like, honest, I haven't been in a couple of years because no, I know, no. moving moving out here and then the pandemic. But no, uh, I, yeah, and and in well, and in fairness, it's changed. Like, uh, right, I know it's changed pretty dramatically. I've seen well, a lot like, of the stuff. When, and I'm saying in terms of like, remember a couple of years back, like I think it was actually the same season that we just referred to that we kind of all started all this, which was. The uh, 2019 20 season. Yeah, the first the season with all the renovations when they blew out the concourses and made them actually like walkable. Yeah. Right. But also, like, they had the rage room. They had all that. Like, the rage room is, no, the rage room is apparently gone, I found out. Like, I didn't realize that was a thing. Like, that I'll was be honest with you. I don't, I don't remember hearing about it after about the first dozen games or so. Well, there's a reason. There's two reasons for it. One is eventually they did away with it because, yes, post pandemic, it's kind of hard to keep having people go in and do stuff. But also, the team started to get good during that down that and stretch didn't of games. People care about that anymore. People they wanted to sit worry. in the seats and watch the game. Right. So, but think. But I want you to think about like what I'm thinking about at this point is, is that how many like it's all about building lounges and re- revolutionary row that's up at the top, which is yes, you've got one big row of seats that are like really you know balcony level. It's a great viewpoint. Don't get me wrong. Right. But there's but behind all that there are couches and lounge chairs with fireplaces and. Sure. And bars and the sports book is up there. And you and and of course you've got gritty. You know, like how many things do you are you trying to distract people with because you want people to believe that it's still an experience to go? And I and, and I like I've heard people try to re- relate it to baseball a little bit, like in the sense that, well, like when you go to the ballpark across the street, there's people, you know, like baseball's look, a whole different animal. It's a three hour game that moves slow. <laughs> It is, but here's my other argument with that. When you go to a baseball game, and whether there is a replica of the ballpark out in right field and a game over here and a bar over here and this over here and all that type of stuff, when I walk around the ballpark, I can still look over my shoulder and see the field of play, see the action. If I hear the crowd get excited, I can go and look really fast and go, oh, hey, something just happened. I didn't miss the action. I don't have to leave this rec room to go find a tunnel to right, look like, on the ice and by then the you know the puck's dropped already and we're playing like again what, like what do you think the gritty command center is other than a place for people to go to be distracted and be away from the game unless you're going to try to wait in that line and go and do that in intermission 
as a way to distract your kids from the fact that, yes, there is no game happening for 17 minutes. I get that, but, like, that's not what it's all about. Like, it's, you know, you're there to watch a game, and that's why I go back to, like, Saturday night. Yep. The football game's on, and I haven't heard, I'm two periods of this game, there's no scoring in the game. It's about as boring of a game as I've ever seen. And the Eagles score a touchdown, and the crowd watching in the sports book starts cheering. And then it circulates through the building as people are on their phones checking because this game in front of them is sure sure as hell really boring. So yeah. it starts to circulate through. And I'm like sitting here going, you know, I heard there's good seats available across the street. Why didn't you go to that game if that's the one you cared about? Wow. Why are you here? To be other, fair, other, Eagles other tickets than to, are way more expensive than Flyers tickets. Well, but then otherwise, then why are you here? Why didn't you stay home if that's what you wanted to watch? Why didn't you come down and park the car for the price it is to park the car and go watch it at, the, at Xfinity? Yeah. I, I'm curious how that. many people tailgated Eagles the Eagles game all day and then were like, but all my, right, I guess I'll go inside and watch the Flyers. But my but my point going back to what I was saying is that like we spent the we spent the first part of the pandemic all the time with no games, this whole big pause. Let's talk about the history. Let's do these polls. Let's do these brackets. Let's have some fun with it, right? And all this history stuff. And again, me doing the, the show, covering the team, all that stuff. It's I like this sport because it is in my blood. It's been I gave those two examples for myself, but I also give the examples of, you know, wait, my parents got married in 1987 smack in the middle of a playoff run. They they, they were married for maybe a year or, or for I'm sorry, maybe a month into June. And they're at a Stanley Cup final game against the Edmonton Oilers, arguably, as we did with some of the NHL, One of the greatest polls, teams of all time, arguably the greatest team ever. And the Flyers fall behind three nothing. I think and I win. Th- I think I still have the early 2000s Red Wings as the best team ever, but those late 80s Oilers were definitely up there for sure. But they go down 3-0 in game three, come back, five unanswered, win the game. And it takes me to not necessarily when I went to my first game per se, but I was 12 years old and my dad comes in and says, guess what? We're going to a playoff game. Nice. And, and, And the preparation that comes with that, which is, listen, this is going to it's going to be loud, it's rowdy, it's great like he's he's preparing me for what a playoff game is like in uh, you know in front of a Flyers crowd, right? That this is what it's going to be like. And I still remember all the details of this. It's 2004 Stanley Cup playoffs, which we all know was a really great run. Uh second round, game 1, Toronto Maple Leafs. Like you can't script this any better to put legendary original six teams second round so it's not even early playoffs now you're one of eight left game one set the tone for the series and it's the first period and tony amani scored the first goal of the game and i've never heard the building louder than that ever yeah and and the argument for me like this is where i go with this down the road is i remember that and i took what i learned from my dad and therefore, and generation before, like how many people go who hit sit there and go, it's a grandparent. It's in, like my uncle was a season ticket holder, like for over 40 years. Right. And, and it is no longer at this point. But, you know, how many people, how many people in our age range are younger that they think they need to target with distractions and gimmicks and other things that you can do besides actually watching the game, learned about the game from grandparents or parents who are going, Broad Street Bullies, 1987, Brian Propp, Dave Poulin, Legion of Doom, you name it. Like, but the how thing, many people learn from that? But the thing, like I said, I don't think the gimmicks are necessary. I really don't. I don't think you need the Smash Room. I don't think you need, you know, No, blah, that's blah, my blah. point. Right. 
all you need to do to get us in the building, to get us paying attention, to get us passionate about this team, is do something. But they Pick don't, a direction. Pick but they a don't direction. Eat right. Even if, and I think you and I both kind of agree that to do anything significant in the playoffs, it's going to take a little bit of pain first. And we're talking a couple years. We're talking Detroit Red Wings, but you know, of two or three years ago, Buffalo Sabers. You know, maybe not quite tear it all the way down to Arizona Coyotes, but tear no, but you're it getting, down. But you're, you're getting real. No, but you're getting really close. Like, and I'm not saying like in terms of tear it down because tear it down is extremes. Like in terms of building a roster, and if, like, you got to have something left that comes through. That's why. That's why I keep saying like Carter Hart, Joel Farabee. Like someone's gonna make it through well, the whole thing. Like, and obviously. here, here's the thing though. I don't know if Carter Hart's gonna make it through. Because I we've talked about it before. I think he's too good a goalie. I think he's going to win you too many games. I think there's a real argument. If you're going to tank, if you're going to hit the bricks, if you're going to be bad, that Carter Hart should get moved this offseason. And I'm certainly not wishing it. I like Carter Hart a lot. You know, If you've listened to this show for a while, you know I was at his first game. I was at his first shutout. I've, I love me some Carter Hart. Obviously, I was at those two. Right, but at a certain point, you kind of you okay. You're hoping that he's willing to sit and be patient, kind of like. And I know we're talking about Anaheim a lot here, kind of like John Gibson has been patient in Anaheim. And when they tore it all down a couple of years ago, when they lost in the playoffs, and they decided to tear it all down, and Getzlaff was still there, but Perry was going, and they were really kind of starting to move away from the old school Ducks. They told John Gibson, hey, listen, sit tight, man. We're, we're going to try to get good as quick as we can for you. We're going to try to salvage some of your prime here. But sit tight, and it's going to be a couple bad years. And, and that's and exactly scary, what happened. And the scary part is, is that their best players that are going to come out of those drafts are coming. Like, oh, I know. It's, it's not the ones that are here. They're oh, on know. their way. Like, Zegris is the beginning. Drysdale is a stud, an yep. absolute freaking stud. And then... You know, and then they they still haven't been able like McTavish I can't believe is just barely getting started. I can't believe they're going to get Ryan Getzlaff another cup. <laughs> I, I I just don't know if he's going to hang on long enough. I mean, it's so da- he's the oldest player on the team by far. I know. Like like, uh, like like no, but like to your point, I look at every other veteran on their team and I go, they've got a shot. Kind of like, how long has Kevin Shattenkirk been in the league? But he's got a <sighs> shot if he hangs on. He is four hundred years old. He has to be. He's not. Do right. you know how old he is actually in grand scheme of things? He's is 30. he like 33? Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, he's not even that, like, crazy old. But my point being, like, and I just explained this. Like, I just said this. We're hitting that age group where, like, like where adulting becomes a big part of it and stuff like that. Like, we're kind of out of the group that they really are trying to hit with the gimmicky kind of stuff, I guess, in a way. Right. I mean. We're, the, we're the getting point, to the age where they're going to try to sell us season tickets rather than single game. Well, uh, that, I'm not worried about that per se, but anyway. You know what I mean. Um, but, like, wh- where I'm at with this is that this is where I'm coming from. Like, okay, I'm married now. I'm, st- you know, building building the future as it goes kind of thing. It's a little bit challenging in the middle of all this. It, this was well documented. I didn't, like, when like we didn't get married in front of a lot of people. We actually, like, we didn't have the party for a year. Like, it's a little weird. And so, therefore, everything else is a little weird, right? Like, Buying a house is a little weird. There's no easy way to do it. You know, that kind of stuff. But we don't have kids. And I don't know. When I, when we, whenever we do, 
maybe, you know, you never know how it goes with these things. Maybe they share your interests. Maybe they think your interests are stupid. You know, it, it could be one or the other. If they do happen to share interests, I will be thrilled. Like, I, I sure, I'm, I'm, I'm an open book when it comes to this stuff. Like, if I have a kid who is interested in this particular sport, I am an open book about the history of this game, why I like it, all that type of stuff. But the sad part is, is that the stories I'm going to have about going to a Flyers game, a playoff game when I was 12 years old and experiencing that building. You're not going to have be- anything from your young adulthood. No, it's not even that I'm not going to have anything from that. That feeling of walking into a building, feeling the energy before you were even in the building because you're outside. Just They used to do the block party thing, Yep. right? You're, you're outside, you're walking around, it's a gigantic party. People are screaming and hollering and yelling, and they're ready to go, and it's three hours before the game starts. It looks like an Eagles game. It, right. looks, like, it looks like people tailgating an Eagles game. I'd, I, I'm worried that that particular mindset, that feeling that everything around the franchise is dead. I am that error might be dead. The, the... I'm, I'm not even worried. No, I'm not calling it an error. That's it. Like the error is long since dead because of the fact that, I mean, this was still pre-lockout type stuff. And obviously post-lockout was very different. The rules kind of changed a little bit. Salary cap, all that type of stuff. It's a new era and you have to adjust. And it's not like they were bad. Like they had a they had a bad year in the middle of that. We all know that they had a really, really bad year, but they really quickly course corrected. And it was big offseason, make some savvy trades, get some new guys in here, fresh blood. And that team goes to the conference finals the next year. Right. And two years later, that team makes an incredible run to a Stanley Cup final and they look legit they still look legit they did look legit for what how many years out of the lockout was that six seven seasons out of lockout? They, had one, they had one really bad year and the rest were kind of like regular playoff appearances regularly there regularly making you know every other just about every other year it felt like they had a shot to make a run right yeah now it's not and, and, and even down to that yeah that one year that was really really bad that one year they barely won that one year where they were, you know, last place in the league, right? That team still had Jeff Carter, Mike Richards, you know, youth. Claude Drew right. was in the system. Like, you you knew it was going somewhere. Like, you had guys. You, knew. you had a direction. Even though you were bad, you had a direction. You had some young guys. You had some talent. You had a core that you were building around. And then you signed Ilya Brzezgalov and the wheels fell off. Yeah, but I mean, look. There's people who argue it was the it was Chris Pronger's injury. It was you know, and and that's and that's nothing more than a stroke of bad luck. Hindsight 2020. If I could hop in the DeLorean, I'm not signing Brzezgalov, and I'm just riding Bobrovsky. But again, that's a hindsight 2020 thing. At the time, Brzezgalov. I don't know if it was a great signing because goalies are crazy, and signing them for a billion years is never going to work out well. But uh, hindsight being 2020. That's probably the one change I would make to fix the last decade, to to fix the Claude Giroux era. I I mean I don't yeah I hear you I but, but that but the, like that's where I am with this is like at this point in time I've got nothing more to say on where they are like the, the, the like the the like they're not a good team we know this and it's one thing to have a bad team and show that you care show that you know you're gonna go in a direction like. Yeah, if they, if they regular not regularly made off seasons like last one like this, but if they had something in the future that you knew was coming, if they like, they're never the worst. You know what I mean? Like they're never the worst team in the league. Exactly. Where they need you to feel pick like a direction. Right. Where you know it's a few bad years, but there's a sense of direction that it's going to turn eventually because you're building towards something, and that's the mindset. And that's why I kept saying if they would just admit that, like admit yep. for the for the next few years, bottom five type stuff, it'll come. You'll come out of it better on the other side for that. Like you I really agree. will. And 
and and that's the thing. Like, I, like there's people who think that what I'm trying to say when I talk about them being a bottom five team is, well, then, so you're saying blow it up, tank to the finish, that kind of thing. And I'm like, no. Like, what I'm actually saying is, like, blow it up is a relative term. It's right. it's not really a good term to use because nobody out there really blows up their whole team, let's be real. But you can certainly start by looking at either the expiring contracts and trade what you can and keep the rest that you, that you can't. And Buffalo did up. a pretty good job blowing it up in the McEichel year. <laughs> that that team was bad. Yeah, but okay, but they still had pieces from like those last few years of their previous run, so they had they had stuff worth moving. Like right now, this team doesn't have anybody not not nobody who's well, worth moving. They got Claude Giroux, obviously. and that's why right. Well, and that's why I kind of brought Carter Hart up because if you're gonna start getting those premium picks, you know you. Sometimes but Carter takes something like that. But Carter Hart is the type of like, and it, it same thing. I agree. It's no, it's where you go when you really want to blow it up, and nobody out there is going to say that. That's my yeah, problem. That's that's full blown scorched earth. But. Right, but that but that's my point. Like, I'm not saying blow it up, but like, I don't think this team is going to have to try to be a bottom five team. I think they're just going to be that bad that they will be there. Like, yep. They're they're I think they're eighth from the bottom now, or there's eight teams behind them. Three, at least three of them are knocking right on the door. Like it's not going to take long for them to be like sixth or worst, and then you just start riding it out. And I, I agree. And we, we with are, you. and we are, and we already talked about a couple of these. Like we were pre-show with when they play Chicago, when they play, you know, they've already played the two against Seattle, but and they played the two against Arizona. But any games you got left against Montreal or Ottawa, or you know, when you do play Chicago, who you haven't played yet, holy smokes, that's like sweepstakes games. Right, you know, like really, that's like draft lottery sweepstakes games. Yep. Well, that might be that, that might be your title. Maybe Dra- draft lottery <laughs> sweepstakes games. Sounds well, like a new game show. Welcome to 2022, everybody. Oh, no kidding. Well, we promise that uh, as this season kind of drags on, and I can already tell you that this season's gonna drag on. We're gonna try really hard not to make this show depressing and come on here and say the same things every single week and blah blah blah. And we're gonna try to mix it up. And if we have to start talking about the rest of the league, we will because the team is just too depressing. Like we we will absolutely do that. I know we talked about Anaheim for a little while today, and you might have to get used to hearing some NHL talk here on you would think. And uh, I can guarantee you that like late April we'll be shifting into that for yep. good. And for, we, for a couple months. And that shift might start as early as next week. You know, we talked earlier, this might roll into a little bit of a five-game losing streak. And if that's the case, I don't know if I can talk about this team again. But uh, we we will determine that next week. And Get ready for eight. Yep, there's a couple games this week. We didn't even really talk about them that much because the team doesn't really seem to care. We will be back next week to talk about them. You can find this show next week where you found this one. It's everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, iTunes, Spotify. Google Podcasts. I think we're on Pandora. We got a little bit of listenership from Pandora, so that's a fun one. We're all over uh, the place. We're everywhere to, you can listen to podcasts. Yep. Make sure to follow the show on Twitter at YWT Podcast. Follow Kevin at Kevin underscore Darso. Follow at Sports Talk PHL and at Flyer Delphia for your updates over there. Yes, please, please follow me. C- keep making my job worthwhile at this point. You know, I'm, I got two more this week. Two more. You know? hey, and, and if you're excited about the Eagles playoff run, make sure to follow at Sports Talk PHL for your coverage over there. And is it yeah. at Eagle Delphia? Do we have one of those? Um, let me make sure I get it right, because believe it or not, the just straight Eagle Delphia was taken. I think it's Eagle Delphia, PA. Okay. Um, so I do, I do want to share that, because that's actually a good idea. We don't yeah, normally... Just because they're heading to the playoffs, and my God, I don't want to talk about the Flyers anymore, so we might as well throw out the, Eagle, <laughs> the Eagles coverage link for you in case you want to see a team that actually has a chance of winning some games here. 
so we're gonna we're gonna vamp for a second until Kevin finds that, and then that's gonna do it for this week's show. We will be back. Next I will week. say this: what we are temporarily, and again, we we recorded on Sunday night for a change, right? So most of the football games are over. I, I guess they're gonna wait until um, I guess they're gonna wait until the Sunday night game is over too. To officially just, announce just the... to officially announce what time it is, but there's, I mean, there, look, there's a very decent chance that the Flyers are playing the Rangers on Saturday. Now, there's not going to, the Eagles are not going to be home, right? Like we already know this, so there's no traffic nightmare. There's no conflict, that, right? Oh, but that was certainly a traffic nightmare. Wow, let me tell you right now. Um, well, but outside but, we got a traffic nightmare. Inside we have a hockey nightmare. So sure, but that was only because of the fact that the NFL moved that game. They didn't have to. So yes, it is Eagle Delphia, PA. So follow, yeah. So follow Eagle Delphia PA over there on Twitter, and uh, and uh, you know what? I think that's about it for us this week. Like I said, we'll be back next week to talk about <laughs> whatever hits the ice over the next week. So until then, uh, yeah, potentially players coming back from the COVID list at least. There's, you know, it's it started on Saturday, but I, I believe they didn't have practice on Sunday. I believe Drew and Provrov were testing tonight. Okay, so well, maybe they'll we be got our back. fingers crossed. Maybe they'll be back. That's we a little our- something. Yep, we got our fingers crossed, and uh, until then, we'll see you.